Hey guys, welcome to Mythids. My name is Brooke. My name is Alyssa. My name. <laughs> my name is Alyssa. My name. <laughs> my name Alyssa. <laughs> and that should be a fairly good indicator of my mental state at the moment. Oof. Oh boy. Okay. Sorry, it's been a hot minute, guys, since we recorded last. I don't really have much of an excuse other than the whole world is falling apart around us. Uh, but we have a new editor who has joined the team, Maury. Uh, if the name sounds familiar, it's because it's the same gremlin bastard that betrayed us last episode. Except this time we've decided to give them control of all of our editing. You gotta love our, our steps of like, uh, I don't even want to say punishment, like our logical flow. Us. Trusts the person. Us. Gets betrayed into doing the most ridiculous episode of a podcast. Us. Promotion. Welcome to the team. You're now our editor. <laughs> Us. Trusts the person some more. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how logic works. For sure. Yeah. How else would it work? I do. I sure don't know. Exactly. I believe you went first on the curse episode. I think I did. Which means it's my turn. Yes, it would. Okay. So I am bringing a cryptid that I had not heard of before, but there's enough information about it that some of you guys might have, and that is the Pope Lick Monster, which first of all, I, fantastic name. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the name has incredible vibes and I am here for it. This monster better have actually licked some form of papacy or it loses like 20 <laughs> points. I don't think it has, unfortunately. So it gets its name because it lives um, either on or under a 90 foot high trestle bridge that a train cr passes over. And the bridge is over Pope Lick Creek in Kentucky. Oh my god. Oh, it's like the goat man. So, oh, you're familiar with this. Huh? You're familiar with? With this, with this particular one? Uh, not this particular one, but I'm familiar with, like, the Goatman bridge in, like, Texas or some shit. Okay, well, this is also a Goatman. Shut the fuck up! So are you sh- <laughs> I you might- might actually- <laughs> Yeah, I might have heard of this, but just been calling him the Goatman the entire time. Yeah, so that's the other name that it is known as, oh but God. I'm going with its, uh- clearly superior name and also the name that is a lot easier to search because Goatman yeah. could reply to a few different things. Oh my god. Um, so yeah. So the public monster God, what a name. Um, supposedly the monster appears as a human goat hybrid with a grotesquely deformed body of a man and fur-covered goat legs, like a very pale-skinned face, and wide-set eyes with short, sharp horns protruding from the forehead with long, greasy hair that matches the color of the fur on the legs. Ooh. So I saw one description that said it was kind of like the Minotaur, but with goat, but I don't think so, because that description sounds like it has, like, a humanoid head just with horns. I was gonna say, the Minotaur is, like all human and then just bullhead, whereas this is, like, Right, includes... this sounds like it might be almost the opposite. Yeah, like, this has more elements of the other creature this within the human part. This has more satyr vibes Yeah, exactly. So, there are a whole lot of different versions of the story for this particular goat man. 
According to different reports, most of them agree that that uh, the Pope-like monster has some sort of like hypnosis that it can do, or it has like a siren voice, or huh. like it can mimic people, something like that. <laughs> Can I just say, though, those are all wildly different things. Like, there's a huge difference between, like, <laughs> mimicking someone you love and being hypnotized. Like, I feel like that's... Yeah, absolutely. But it's all, like, abilities that he that it uses to, like, draw people to the bridge. Okay. I guess. Like, the overlap is that, like, whatever the ability is, it's something that, like, you hear mm-hmm. and it, like, yeah. pulls you in. So it he uses it to lure people onto the train tracks where they are then run over by passing trains. Um, In other stories, the goat man drops down onto passing cars from within the trestles to attack them. Another legend says that it attacks its victims with a blood-stained axe. Or, alternatively, uh, some, some of them also say that it's just he's so scary looking and so unsettling to look at that when you see it, you just instinctively jump off the bridge. <laughs> I want you to know that my phone call with you just cut out. So all I heard of that was you see this and you jump off a bridge. And that's I feel yeah. like all yeah, I really need it. to know. That's it. One version is just like, he's real spooky. If you see him, you will commit suicide. Oh. And that's because because keep in mind, this bridge is 90 feet up. Yeah, that's pretty damn high. And that's an important detail for some things that have happened with this particular thing. Similar to how there are a lot of different descriptions of how he does murders. There are also um, a bunch of different explanations as to how he how he got around to existing. The most common one that I heard was that a circus like ringmaster was traveling with... Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a wild one. Um, a circus ringmaster was traveling with his circus, and he saw this, like, deformed little boy on the side of the road, and he went to go check it out. He realized that this kid looked like some mixture of, like, a human and a goat, and so the ringmaster took him with him and locked him away and showed him off as, like, a freak show kind of thing, mm-hmm. and as and as he, as he the kid grew up... He was, you know, kept malnourished and abused and all this. S- kind of standard freak show treatment, really. As you say, the, um, the real moral here is that circuses are the true evil. Right. Uh, and throughout all of this, the goat man was just planning revenge against both the ringmaster who did this to him, but then also all of the normal people that would come and mock him and all of that. Because uh, I would imagine a childhood and adolescence that consists of just being put in a cage and and yelled at a bunch does horrible things to the psyche. Yeah, it's going to leave some scars, both physically and emotionally. Yeah, exactly. So uh, how the story goes is one day they were traveling by train to the next city, which not sure how that works, because I feel like when you picture a circus, they've got a lot of like, animals and big stuff, but I guess trains are a way you can move. And lightning struck the, I don't know if it was the train itself or the tracks or whatever, but there was a, tr- a train crash at this bridge. Uh, the goat man survived, got out of his cage, killed everyone, and now he just lives there. <laughs> you know, I support him for that, honestly. Honestly, yeah. Coming of age story, if anything. Yeah. Um, 
sometimes you do a few murders as therapy. Uh, I can't legally condone it, but, you know, like, if you're a cryptid who has been abused all your life, maybe it's the best thing to do. Exactly. That In that same area, there are legends of a ghost train, and so a lot of people think that that might be the same train that the goat man escaped from. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he's got some ties to a lot of cool stuff. And so that's the background I'm going to go with for our purposes, just because it is the one with the most detail. It's the one I saw the most often. But uh, some other explanations that were given is that he's just a human-goat hybrid that just exists and is like that. (laughs) And um, (laughs) another version uh, claims that actually he is the reincarnation of a farmer who sacrificed goats in exchange for satanic powers. You know, I feel like that one also has some appeal to it. I can't quite say (laughs) what the appeal is, but that also speaks to me. (laughs) This goat man just has very powerful backstories. Yeah. I also like how, like, whoever came up with that one is like, okay, and this monster. And what did this monster do for the Satanism? Sacrificed some farm animals that were going to die anyway. I mean, if you work on a farm, you accept that you're sacrificing your farm animals for some purpose. Listen, if an animal is going to die anyway, and I'm not making a comment on vegetarianism and whether or not that's okay. I'm not getting into there. But if it's going to happen anyway, you might as well get satanic powers out of it. You know? Milk it for what it's worth. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I regularly have, like, maybe human sacrifices are fine conversations with people in regards to ancient cultures. So, you know, it should, you know, I can excuse farm animals if I can excuse human sacrifice. So this is, that's the whole backstory and what he does. Uh, Presumably, the murders are motivated by, you know, a general hatred for humanity due to the way he was treated. Um, And so now we're going to actually take a dip into definitely real true things. Because obviously, anytime you're dealing with cryptozoology and mythology and all of that, it is the understanding that maybe it's true, but there's a good chance that it isn't. Uh, these next few details, I can say with 100% certainty, are real. The goat man, the Pope uh, Lick monster, has a bit of a body count. So the Pope Lick train trestle is kind of a favorite spot for local kids and also tourists um, to go to for, to kind of like as a dare, like, oh, I dare you to climb the trestle or tourists will go there looking for the Pope Lick monster, oh, that kind of thing. Oh, this doesn't end well. So you'll recall uh, two important things. First of all, this is a bridge that... Uh, that very fast trains go across. Yeah. I In one article, I read as often as 25 times a day. Oh, God. And it is 90 feet up in the air. Oh, this is a very bad combination. Right. So, in 1987, a young boy fell to his death from the trestle in order to escape an oncoming train. Oh, God. And a different young boy met that same fate 13 years later. Kids, general PSA, I don't care where the train tracks are located. Don't play on train tracks. So from what I read, I think a lot of people, I think they might be more aware of it now, but for a really long time, people didn't realize uh, that the train tracks were still in use. Oh, no. 
Because even though trains go along it pretty often, it's up on this high bridge. Right. There's nothing else really around it, so it looks kind of run down, even though it isn't. And also, like, haunted stuff, I feel like a lot of people just assume it's abandoned. Yeah. And it isn't. It's still in use. And trains are one of those things, once you see it coming, you're already too late. They move so fast. That's the thing, because it's up on a bridge. Yeah. So, like, in a normal situation, if you see it, you know, a hundred feet away or whatever, you can jump to the side. Yeah. But you're 90 feet up in the air with nowhere to go. I also uh, heard one description that some people have said it's really hard to hear the, the train coming. Mm. Like, until you see it, there's really no warning. In 2016, a couple in their late 20s, I know the woman was 26... Uh, the guy I didn't get an exact age for, but they had a friend who was 28, so I'm assuming probably somewhere in that same range, from Ohio, went there, went up on the bridge in search of the monster, you know, tourists, the kind of bullshit we would do. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, this is terrifying and all that, but I can only make fun of them so much. I don't know if I'd go up on this bridge because I'm terrified of heights. God, that's the real reason we'd survive this is because both of us would mm -hmm. be like, go on it. And I'd be like, no, it's too high. I don't wanna. <laughs> Oh, I don't like it. So the train came while they were up there and the man apparently was like super into like working out and like bodybuilding kind of shit. Oh Christ. So he was actually able to jump to the side and hold on dangling from the side of the bridge Jeez. as the bri as the train passed. Um and apparently even then he was close enough to the uh, train that the train like there is still a mark on his arm from where the train oh, rubbed alongside God. it that is next level kind of holding on because if you're holding on and there is a train yeah. scraping on your arm at like god knows what speed per hour yeah it's incredible but ultimately he he survived Jesus. um his girlfriend however didn't even have time to try and get out of the way she died on impact oh god so this was just four years back um, oh, Lord. Yeah. Be, uh, those are the only, like, confirmed deaths, but there have been a lot of injuries and close calls, because, like I said, it's pretty common to go up there. Nowadays, there is an eight-foot-tall fence and also a bunch of signs like, you know, trespassers yeah. will be arrested, all of that. Don't go looking for the goat, man. You will get hit by a train and die. Right. A train comes by every hour or so. I don't care if you think you have time. You don't. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it couldn't be me, says local man hit by a train. Literally. Although I think that that wall or fence or whatever was already up when the couple went there. Mm -hmm. So they have slightly less of an excuse. Yeah. Um, and also I think the afterwards the guy, I don't know if the guy got arrested or if he was just like heavily fined for trespassing. And in a lot of articles, he was like, look, I know I broke the law, but also I was injured and my girlfriend died, which feels like enough punishment on its own. And I am tempted to agree with him. Yeah, I feel like that's an instance. It's like, you're, you're dumb enough. You've suffered the consequences. Not yeah. to, like, openly disparage this man who has lost many things, but, like, oh boy. So despite all of those injuries and deaths and all of that, yeah. There have been no confirmed sightings of the Poplick monster. Um, however, there have been a lot of cases of either seeing, like, things moving in the woods or stumbling upon, like, animal remains that were supposedly killed by the Poplick monster. But, yeah. you know, no 
outright confirmation. And that's my boy for the for the week. What a lad, man. That's that's what a, a man. powerful story. All right, so mine I have uh, a lot of background information on, but as usual, as for the monster itself, I don't have a lot of material, but the material I found was interesting enough that I'm going to make this work. So anyone that knows me or has been listening for any period of time, I am super, super into, I can't even say this is ancient because it's not, but I'm really into uh, epic poems and myths from other cultures. So I went down a rabbit hole because I told my lovely significant other that uh, I would be recording on Saturday, on Thursday, and she had until then to get me something. And, uh, well, it sure is Saturday and I still don't have anything, so I made it work. So my myth today comes from, it's actually considered to be the national epic of the Nyanga people who are located in the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, somewhere near the Rwandan and Ugandan area. It's more of a tribe of people as opposed to like a specific country or like area. Like they are located in the Republic of Congo, but it's not like a specific, like it's the river area as far as I know, but it's not like, oh, it's here at this address kind of thing. Okay. Um, the epic, as best as I can tell, is written in Kinyanga, which is the language of the Nyanga people, but as best as it was detailed, because (laughs) I don't want to say this is an obscure myth, because, or an obscure epic, because it's not, you know, it's the national of this people, um, it's the most well-known of the area, But there's not a lot of people that have done study or reports on it, or there are reports and studies on it, but a lot of that I could find was all pointing back to the same handful of sources. So it's more of, it's not obscure, but it's obscure in that, like, people don't talk about it or it's not as widely known kind of thing. So in that regards, the language that it is written in was just, it was just detailed as one as the Bantu languages. So my best guess is that it's in Kinyanga, which is the language of the people, but I don't have an exact confirmation on that. Um, Bantu, by the way, is the term for the collection of indigenous people that speak it, as well as the subset of tribes and languages. So like Bantu is that whole tribal people, but as well as like subsets of it so it's both a language and a culture so this epic that i have for us today is the epic of muindo uh which is a karisi which is the term for the epic poem so like you hear epics in other cultures it's just that particular name of it uh but the karisi is performed but unlike what you usually expect or hear about epics it has more of the audience participation So it relies heavily on the singing and instrumental and dancing from the audience. So it's something you watch and you listen to, but it's something that culturally you would take part in as well, which I think is interesting uh, because, you don't, you know, epics you usually listen to or you hear or you watch as a play, but it's not something you can be a part of, which not that people in this culture could really be a part of because we don't have the knowledge of, but... (laughs) Actually, I did find that it was performed in a children's theater in Seattle here around 2015. Um, There's a whole bunch of videos on YouTube's about the YouTube's YouTube about the production, but I didn't find anything for the work itself, and I did try. So if you're interested in the background of it, uh, it's there, but 
Good luck finding it itself, I guess. <laughs> now we get into the fun part of I don't know any Bantu languages and I don't know no anyone that knows any of the Bantu languages. And the full what? epic is online in the original text, but uh, I can't translate it. And Google, for some reason, doesn't have indigenous African languages as a translation option. Would you believe? That's dumb. Get your shit together, Google. <laughs> you can have Latin, you can have indigenous African languages, yeah. you hoe. Like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them, but I feel like we should uh, uh, ex include that subset. But, you know. They're a big-ass company. They can work on it. They should. They should. There are people that money. speak it. There's at least 1,400 people that speak it. You know, they can make it work. Yeah, fuck that shit. Um, but on that note. Call out post for Google. <laughs> Dear Google, please include more languages in your shitty translation services. Thanks. <laughs> in your low quality, barely functional translation service. Literally. It is lacking in some languages and we are worried about the representation. Yeah. Signed. <laughs> Signed methods. <laughs> God, can you imagine writing that letter? I'd write it. Are you kidding me? Hey, listeners, if any of you would like to actually write that letter for us, oh god, um, you can send it to us, and um, I'll fucking sign it. I'll send it to Google. Fuck Google. I'll we'll do it. We'll start a change.org petition of why Google should include more languages in their shitty, barely functional translation services. Yeah. Listen, I know we're joking, but I'm actually kind of mad about it. Keep going. No, that's entirely fair. I would love for more languages <laughs> to be available. Even so much as ancient Greek, because, like, if I get lazy and don't feel like doing a translation, I can't pop that shit into Google Translate. There's no help. That's so dumb. Huh? I know. I said that's so dumb. I know for a fact that Google Translate has Latin in it. Sure does. And that is because I took Latin in middle school and high school, and bitch, how the fuck do you think I got my <laughs> homework done? Did my teacher notice? Yes. Did she yell at me? Also, yes. yes. Did it stop me? No. <laughs> I was gonna say that's not something I know ends well and I've never even tried to pass off any language that I've translated in Google Translate. I've just accepted that it was a poor translation on my own. Yeah, Magistra used to make me start doing homework during my lunch um, at, at school, both because I kept not getting it done, but also because that was the only way she could be confident I didn't have access to Google Translate while doing it. <laughs> that's one way to go about it. This woman taught me for seven years, and I don't know how the fuck she survived it. Patience and dedication. She's still friends with me on Facebook. The, okay. Like, so, <laughs> so she was fine then. It was like one of those, like, you know, like a teacher that just really is determined to push you. And like, you want to strangle, I guess, the kid the whole time. But it's like, no, they're going to learn and they're going to like it. Honestly, what an incredible woman. We got sidetracked. <laughs> we got very sidetracked. Anyway, uh, the actual point that I was trying to make is that the full version is online, um, both the original text and the translation, but I don't have access to the full epic as the text. I just have several translated PDFs that come as excerpts from other books. Um, so I have more of summaries of the different parts of the epic as opposed to the actual text. And the original text that I had access to was in Kinyanga, which I cannot translate and don't have a way of translating. So I've done my best to find credible sources. I've done my best to cross-reference the translations that are available in Partial. Um, but I'm a little limited in the material that I have to work with here. So that is my partial disclaimer in that I was not able or I was not 
uh, fishing out $25 to buy the entirety of uh, the Epic of Muindu. My apologies to our listeners. That's acceptable. So we'll now- We'll forgive you someday. Maybe. I mean, I'd like to read it. The, I read in full the summary parts, even the parts that were not relevant to the monster that I brought for this week. Uh, I will say it's worth a read. I will say it's, you know, it's what you'd expect from your traditional epic. It follows a lot of the same- story arcs and uh content but it really it's interesting because if you compare epics across different cultures you see like values and morality as well as things that remain the same so as a uh historic nerd i would highly recommend it i enjoyed it anyway on that note on to the actual ding dong monster that i brought for the podcast this week so i have for us uh the kirimu which is a dragon from the epic, which is described as... Okay, he appeared to them in horrific form, a huge animal with a black hide, seven heads, seven horns, seven eyes, teeth like a dog, a huge belly, and the tail of an eagle. So I can only assume it's this giant dragon with seven heads, an eye on each head, a horn above that, Big sharp teeth and a big belly with an eagle tail. Just to uh, wild try and summarize and make that. Now, I don't have a lot more detail on that, but there is a footnote that I was able to access in the actual full version of itself that talks about uh, the Kirimu, which is apparently available or was like one of those monsters that appears across many tales. I was not able to find those other tales. I could not tell you what the name are. I don't know if any are actually translated. As far as translations for African epics, most of them were only in the last few decades. This one was actually translated in 69. So it's more of a thing that what I don't want to say recently because the 60s and 70s were not recently, but they were very recently compared to. But in the. In the concept of time as a whole. Exactly. Like, if you look at, like, your Iliad and Odyssey translations, those were in the 20s. So, like, it took a while. I can't imagine why. Sarcasm. But anyway, the footnote uh, is that the Kirimu appears in other tales, and it gives the same description, but it also tells us that the monster lives in the ground in dense forests and is a solitary hunter that occasionally feeds on human beings. In some tales, Kirimu is said to have a human wife whom he captured. The precise details of the seizure are not given. He never has children of his own, but occasionally he keeps a human child who he treats well, fattening him in order to kill him later. You know, I don't know if that constitutes treating well. Okay, so it's like, I want to see your classic fairy tales of like, oh, like, you know, you treat them like a king, give them a whole bunch of food, they can do whatever they want, and then once they're big enough, you like, chomp down. So it's like one of those you don't see it coming because it's like, oh, you're a very respectable host. You provide a lot of food. You provide all the proper amenities. That's the word I'm looking for. And then uh, you just also happen to have them as a snack. It's fine. We do the same with animals, not to get into the vegan. (laughs) I mean, the well treated well is debatable. but Okay. You know what? I changed my mind. He's treating them great. And I support this dragon in this matter. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah. The only other detail is that uh, I'll get into the specific details for Muindu, uh, but out, uh, outside in other epics, he's regularly killed by a hero or clever man who destroys him with either 
uh, a knife or hot stones after the heroes let himself swallowed. I, I th- this one I can't logic out by cutting a rope by which he is trying to climb a tree. That one doesn't. I am. I would have to see the tale that they're trying to get to uh, <laughs> to try yeah. and work that one out of how that kills a that dragon. That sounds like it might be like translation wise something got lost maybe i don't know but yeah the other one makes sense is like it starts to eat you and then you cut your way out from the inside like that at least makes sense it seems potentially dangerous and i wouldn't recommend as like a mode of killing great epic monsters but you know that's the fun of epics you can the hero has pot armor until they don't (laughs) correct Uh, the interesting though, just as a like sort of wrap up for the Kirimu of the tale that he's most well known in, is that uh, Muindu actually kills him when he's looking for boar and he and uh, the local people and the chief go hunting for a boar and they come across this dragon. And Kirimu's like, I didn't think people came out this way. Hey, uh, what are you doing? This is my place. And they're like, no, we want this boar. And he's like, he had already killed, you know, in the fight, uh, some of the tribal members he's like listen go home and let me have this boar and um we just like no i'm not gonna do that i'm going to take this boar and also kill you and rescue everyone you've eaten so he kills the dragon or kills the kirimu and then resurrects everyone he's ever eaten actually which i think Damn, is pretty okay. amazing he, like cuts him open rescues everyone he ate from his stomach either partially digested or fully digested and then resurrects them with his magic fly swatter uh it's Officially called a kanga, but it is, in all translations that I could f- described, is just described as a fly swatter. Uh, but it does have magical powers, and he has it throughout the epic that does many things, including resurrecting the dead. So he resurrects all of the Kirimu's victims, but the problem is the Kirimu is pretty good friends with the god of lightning in the sky uh, in Kuba. So he more or less takes Muindu up to the sky and goes, hey, what the fuck? That was my friend. Why did you do that? So he has him live in the sky for a period of time just to get him to see, like, the broader picture and understand the world and, like, go through hardships of the weather up there, but just to see the earth from a different perspective of the gods, which I think is really interesting because the epic sort of ends... Like, the translation that I have, or the snippet of it, uh, for Muindu realized there was nothing bad in what God has given to humankind. So I think that's really interesting and really different from a lot of the epics that you hear, and, like, that either the gods send this hero to kill the monster, or, like, this monster kidnaps someone and it's, like, a rescue tale. This is more of a, hey, you shouldn't have killed this person, or you shouldn't have killed this dragon. He was minding his own business. He wasn't actually that bad. Or like, you know, the gods don't create anything bad. That was a dick move, Muindu. So he agrees, Muindu agrees to never commit a murder again. And uh, yeah, everybody lives happily ever after. That's a much more like kind, almost moral Mm -hmm. to it than like you hear in, I feel, a lot of more like Western epics. Because like you said, usually it's all about like, oh, the monster is bad. But that one is, like, a much more, like, respectful to the world around us kind of Yeah, vibe. no, I really liked that. Yeah. It was a pleasant change, like I said, from what you, like, yeah. usually expect. The moral's like, like, most, it's like, hey, guess what, oh, dude? Oh, you have to kill this You're evil creature. Or like, oh, you have to prove your strength. And it's like, 
the real strength or like the real moral of it was you shouldn't have done this. Like there, you have to approach things with kindness. Like you can't just indiscriminately do whatever you want. And I'm like, damn, if only we had that moral more often. Yeah, no, I'm into it. So like the monster here really doesn't get a lot of detail, but like it does serve a good like moral center. And like, I thought the description was pretty cool. I'm always for dragons. African dragons don't get a lot of uh, consistent descriptions or recognition. So, like, this was just my fun little rabbit hole that I fell down. Yeah, I actually didn't know that there were African dragons. Although, it does make sense because dragons are a creature that kind of shows up in a Mm -hmm. lot of mythology. Which brings me to my theory. Dragons used to be real and we fucked it up somehow. (laughs) You know, I can accept that, honestly. It wouldn't surprise me. This country can barely have a handful of animals that are indigenous to this country because we ruined it, so let alone, like... Exactly. Hi, guys. Welcome to our new podcast, Dragons Are Real. (laughs) Where we talk about conspiracy theories of uh, cryptids or mythological creatures that definitely exist, and here's why we ruined it. (laughs) That's the important part. We really dig into how fucked up we as a species have made everything. Yeah! <laughs> and no one's shocked. Um, okay, so generally, we next go into the debate. Before we do, we have a sponsor this week. Ba-ba-ba! I know. Uh, so I'm actually going to pull this aside real quick to talk about that. So this week we are sponsored by a, it's actually a nonprofit called Closeted Craft. And they are a, a shop made specifically with those who are closeted in mind. They basically sell LGBT pride merch that is intentionally subtle so that people out there who are in situations where they cannot safely be out can still have like pins or jewelry or stuff like that that kind of reps their flag without endangering themselves. Cause I know we just finished Pride Month. I feel like there's a lot of guilt that kind of goes on with like people who aren't in situations where they can openly be like, hey, I'm bi, hey, I'm trans, whatever. And like, cause, cause I feel like when Pride Month hits, you feel like you're supposed to be fucking screaming that shit from the rafters. And there's a lot of people who can't. (laughs) You have that also coming up with uh, National Coming Out Day or week in October. So, like, even if you're looking ahead, it's both in Pride Months where everyone's talking about it and both the upcoming, like, the unspoken pressure of coming out day and all the uncomfortable emotions that go with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for anyone who might be in that situation or know someone who is, this might be a cool thing for you to check out. Now, the shop is just getting started right now. I know their Kickstarter will be getting going this August. Um, And I actually have some pins that I designed myself that are going to be included in the shop. So if, you know, if you want, you can go look at those, I guess. Like I said, it is a nonprofit. If you would like to learn more, they are on Twitter, at Closeted Crafts. Go give them a follow. Uh, And you can learn some more info about what they're doing, uh, what's going on, when the Kickstarter is starting. And you can also learn about some cool things like different discrete shipping that they have and all sorts of other stuff. So, at Closeted Crafts on Twitter, go give them a follow. Thanks, our sponsor. (laughs) Also, before we debate, I think we should acknowledge the winner from many weeks ago uh, that we forgot to. 
Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking of that. I was like, did we do that on our betrayal episode? Yeah. So on the betrayal episode, we never actually uh, discussed the last poll, which is on the Tarask versus Shinyo episode from a million years ago. Um, The Tarask won in a 55-45 oh. split. It was so fucking close. (laughs) Dang. I still abide that the tragic love between the two of them is the real winner. The real winner was love itself. Let's be real. Like, (laughs) Tarask is my monster, but I can't accept a world where their, like, heart-rending love story isn't the real winner in my heart. Also, on the note of poll, for anyone that does not follow our Twitter or has not seen the official announcement uh we're not doing a poll for the betrayal episode we're not acknowledging that there's a world where either won, and we're moving on from our mistakes let us hope that in my folly it doesn't happen again correct but knowing Alyssa, it definitely will. it will but hopefully not for a while hopefully not for a while uh, I think if it happens again, we're gonna just have to, like, set up a Patreon with those terrible things as bonus episodes yeah. or something. Uh, so if that w- if that interests you, let us yeah. know. Maybe we'll do it. I'm motivated to do many things for money, not including, de- uh, not, uh, <laughs> including debasing myself, or I guess including. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, the debate. First of all, my man, um... He's got magic hypnotism Mm -hmm. and a train at his disposal. (laughs) Now, I'm not, I I will say, I don't know how effect, I mean, like, the train will do some damage, but is is a very large dragon. How big was the dragon? Large. (laughs) Oh, well, then we don't know how big he is. Do we have any kind of comparison we can work off of? Big enough to swallow men whole. That's about as big as I got. Bitch, I could do that. That's not impressive. <laughs> I'm just saying, dragons are typically hardy enough to survive trains. Like, also, like, it's a ghost train. Well, so... Well, no, it's not... The train that that the Pope Lick monster uses in modern day is a real actual train that comes by about once an hour. All right. Uh, consider... So, the hypnotism was your better bet because my dragon will just eat your goat man whole. Okay, but but he but here's the thing: he uses the hypnotism to drag people into their death. Also, he has a bloody axe. I don't know if that's gonna be any use. Depends. I mean, again, dragons—those yeah. are hard to kill with an axe. So also, he's got seven heads, so he's got to do six times the hypnotism. See, that's the thing. I don't know if if it if he needs to do extra hypnotism. Because I feel like as long as they all hear the hypnotism, it'll work. Like, I didn't see anywhere where it said that it was, like, a targeted thing where he had where he could only call to, like, hmm. one person at a time. Or, like, he had to specify who he was calling to. It sounds more like he just uses his spooky-ass voice powers to draw in people who hear him. Up to the top of this big scary bridge. <laughs> With a <laughs> <the> train. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess your your best bet here, not that I'm trying to argue against my own monster, is that, like, he uh takes the axe, uh, he, like, hypnotizes him and takes the axe. I don't know why I'm arguing an axe would do more damage than a train. That doesn't logically make sense. Yeah. Just so you know, I did just Google 
how fast uh, high-speed trains go, and usually it's about um, 150 miles an hour. Oof. And hey, I don't give a fuck how big this guy is, that kind of impact will do damage. I mean, there's a difference between damage and lethal damage, but, like, I guess, like, hypnotized, you're not expecting it, or, like, it don't... That's the thing. Hypnotism to get him up onto the bridge. He's a dragon, so I'd imagine it's not too hard to get him up there. He's probably got some good mobility. But hypnotized, he goes up and then gets hit by a very fast, dangerous train with no ability to get out of the way. Ah, yeah. I mean, I don't have... It's an incredibly efficient murder tactic. Let's be real. My boy spent his time in a circus uh, cage really planning shit out, and I, for one, am proud of him. Uh, The best I can offer is that mine's, like, a solitary hunter. He's used to hunting and fighting things on his own. He took on a whole tribe of people, but, like, the hypnotism in train is a little outside the wheelhouse for what I can work with here. That's the thing, like, he can take on a tribe. Can he take on a vengeful goat man with magic hypnotism powers and its train that it uses for murder? Can it handle that? I don't know, genuinely. I have seen no evidence (laughs) that your man could withstand the Pope Lake Monster's Patented murder Patented technique. murder technique. High-speed trains. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want to argue, but like I said, I don't have a lot to work with here, so I got to give it to you. Thank you. As for dateability, however, I do think I have the <laughs> leg up here. I do think I have a little more compelling argument to work with. Well, I'm going to have to hear that argument to decide. Goatman hates humanity. Raised alone, raised abused, so obviously has a lot of, not not that it's like a negative, or not that I'm faulting it for, but he's got some damage. Uh, it has negatively impacted his view of humanity and other people. Uh, he's greasy as hell. Uh, <laughs> Dragon has a human wife, Fair. so clearly into humans. Works well with humans. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's down for that kind of relationship. We don't know the whole details of it. You know, but like- I don't think, can I just say, I don't think we've ever felt the need to take the stance of whether or not the monster would be interested we in a human partner but before. now- We've never even touched on we that. We haven't. It's always just been like, as a yeah. human, would this thing work for us? Exactly. But now we have it. If you're into it, our, we can confirm the monster is into it as well. Like, it's nice to have that extra- Counterpoint. The mo- the dragon's already married. Isn't he already devoted to someone? I mean, he has a wife. It doesn't mean he can't do polygamy. I can't listen. believe you're assuming... Listen. I'm just saying. He doesn't have any kids. My goat man is funky, fresh, and single. Yeah, but so he's single because he to wants mingle. to be. Also murder. What's sexier than murder, Alyssa? Name something! Listen, the dragon eats children! He's capable of murder too, he just wants to be left alone. Also, he has some great friends, like the god of lightning and the sky, and most of the gods of the sky, actually, so he's got friends in literal high places. I I would argue my goat man is a friend in high places, he lives 90 feet off the (laughs) ground! Okay, 90 feet off the ground is not, like, (laughs) the sky, though. Like, I'm pretty sure... Plane height and higher is higher than 90 feet. Mm, Hard to be sure. I'd really have to check on that. And tragically, since looking up the speed of high-speed trains, I've lost access to Google. (laughs) So. You know what? That's fair. I'm I'm just saying, like, 
you know, Goatman is is not exactly a fan of people or relationships or anything other than hitting people with a train. Whereas Akrimu has has more going for him, you know? He's capable of holding down a long-term relationship. He doesn't seem to mind people. He just really wants to be left about his business. He's got a great friend and support network system. You know, I think you should give him a chance. I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm just also thinking about the sheer number of people who all they want is a man is someone that they can fix. And truly... <laughs> I mean, who is more in need of that bullshit than a murderous goat man with an abused past? I hear what you're saying, but that's never a good basis for a relationship because you can't fix people, you know? Like, so, like, you can go after it, but it'll end about as well as the people actually looking for the goat you man could and bring him to bridges. therapy. Bring him to therapy. You could bring him to therapy. How do you know he won't bring the train with him and not like it and do more murders? That is his emotional support train, Alyssa. Yeah, I know it's an emotional support train, but if your emotional support train hits your emotional support girlfriend slash boyfriend slash partner slash therapist, you're gonna have some problems. Then maybe you need to bring the therapist to the bridge, not the other way around. Meet under the bridge, just not on top of it where the trains yeah, are. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's options. Yeah, but you have a lot of also, problems. Also, as far as living together goes, it would be a whole lot easier to fit a human-sized goat man in my apartment than it would be to fit a fucking dragon that's big enough to swallow people alive. You just argued against that you didn't know how big the dragon was, so it would do get damaged done by the yes, train. So we but, don't actually is, know. Yeah, no. I, I All I said was that it's big enough to swallow a person a lot whole, which is what you told me as well. And... I'm just saying, I have an uncle that's human-sized and is still tall enough that he has to duck through doorways. So I'm betting this bitch is bigger than Cousin Dave. Yeah, probably, but, like, there are snakes that can eat human whole and they're, like, 24 feet long. So listen, I'm not saying that he can't, like, it- <laughs> if you're gonna argue that he wasn't- we don't know how big the size is, or we don't know how big he was, then we can't argue that he's too big to f- comfortably fit in a home. I- th- I think there's very realistically- a space between small enough that it could still be killed by being struck by a train moving at 155 miles per hour and also not small enough to fit inside of a house. All right. There is a good amount of space between those two things. All right, then hear me out. Let's say he's entirely too big to fit in a home. His natural habitat is forest and jungle, so there's no reason he can't come live in your local park or forest and you just come visit him. You have the same issue getting to the goat man. You have the same issue getting to no, the goat. No, because he could fit in a house. He just doesn't have one. Who says one. he wants get him to? A house. He lived in a cage his whole life getting stared at also, by people. Maybe he's also, comfortable out there. The bridge is already close enough to human society that children regularly try and climb the bridge and get killed for it. So, like, it would be a whole lot easier to visit him. <laughs> Listen, the Kirimu lived outside society, too. It's just a different society. Nobody said he no, lived no, no, no. in the middle I'm of saying, nowhere. It just said that he wanted to be left alone. I'm just saying. I, yeah, yeah. He can live in the. He can live in a forest nearby. You. There are parks by where almost everyone lives. I can't believe you're trying to forcibly domesticate your dragon boyfriend. Heartbreaking. You were gonna forcibly domesticate your goat 
man. No, because he's already part human. I don't have to feel bad about oh that. God. It doesn't count as domesticating if you're talking about a human being. You're like, okay, I'm going to take him home and I'm going to fix him and I'm going to fix him of his issues. But murder is also sexy, but he needs to be fixed. You're having it so many different ways where there is nothing that needs to be fixed with your dragon boyfriend. Thank you. Listen, I don't think there's anything that needs to be fixed with the goat either, but you were insisting that it was. So I'm just saying there's people who, healthy or not, are into um, that. Anyway, the dragon is entirely, Kirimu is entirely so more dateable than the goat man. He's a greasy goat boy that kills people with the train. That's incredibly powerful of him. He's also, he's described as being so hideous that he makes you want to jump off of a, off the bridge. Okay. Could also call it like interesting looking. Uh-huh. There's there's different ways of fe- seeing Right, things. right. Okay. Uh, interesting enough that your first date ends in you falling 90 feet. He has he has an aesthetic and a dedication to that aesthetic. You just don't understand my vision, okay? Mm-hmm. I had forgotten about that. That it just like like in- entered into my brain like lightning. Like, wait a fucking second. I've forgotten something important. Listen, there is a real sexiness to the fact that this goat man has spent his entire life committing vengeance murders. <laughs> and I just really feel like you're not giving that the credit that it's Because due. he's a goat man that he, he's, ha- he's half goat, he's greasy, and he's horrifying to look at to the point of committing suicide or jumping off a bridge. No, sometimes he kills people with axes or by running them over with trains. You're really trying to limit him a lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, just, I'm saying. just saying, I'm just saying, He, you gotta work for his good qualities, whereas the Kirumu has inherent good qualities. He doesn't have to work for it. You don't have to fix him. You don't have to, you know, take him to therapy. The Kirumu is a taken man. Can't believe Alyssa is speaking in support of homewrecking. He's Chad. Can't I'm speaking this. in sport, in, uh... Support of polygamy. Okay, cool. Then you have to convince me what's good about the wife too. If 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 you're not if you're not talking about taking the dragon away from the wife, you've got to win me over oh on the God. wife's part too. What's oh she got God. going? Fine. For her? Then I guess I'm just a homewrecker. Some people, some <laughs> of our listeners, I can speak to are into infidelity kinks. Not mentioning any names, but I know at least one of our listeners is like, yeah, that's hot. Wait, who is it? No, Maury, beep, bleep that out. I don't want. Her, I don't want her to know who I just said. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want you to mo- know my sister, who is in the next room, just texted me the name of exactly who it is. So we're listening from a distance. No, every name I say, leave it out. Is it Sarah? Of course it is. It feels like it would be. Were Sarah you not there for that conversation? <laughs> Apparently not. More. Maury, I'm begging you, beep out or remove all of those names. Neither of them can know I assumed it was them. Maury, bleep out all of the names except the first name of the last person they said. <laughs> Maury's gonna kill us. We're just like, oh, we have an editor now. Maury, do all this magic and Maury's just gonna fucking stab us. Maury, you can, you can, you can cut it out if you need to. I'm sorry. I love you. Even if you betrayed me horribly, you're, you're a beautiful person and I'm proud of you. Um, so, (laughs) anyway, on the real topic, uh, that's my dragon husband now. Sorry to that wife. It's my dragon husband. Can't believe this. Which, again, we don't know the whole circumstances of how they got married, so maybe it wasn't a happy marriage. Maybe I'm doing everyone a favor. 
oh, well, in that case, you can take away your whole debate about how he's already happily married and therefore, you know, you know he can be in a committed relationship. Because if he's in a miserable marriage right now, that doesn't speak well to him. Because, hey, there's a power imbalance there between a human and a dragon. And so if, if, so if they are not happily married, he is holding her there against How her How is it will. when I make a counter argument against the goat man, there are a hundred different stipulations as to why actually it's still a point. But whenever I try to argue for flexibility for any point, no, I have to take it away. You notice how that was a thing? No, 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 no. I never say you have to get rid of uh-huh. it. I say you have to argue it better. Uh-huh. Whereas when I start f- pushing for it, you just give in and let me have it. I don't know. It, <laughs> That's it not my fault. Like circle. It seems like circles to me anyway. Uh, fine. Then he has a happy marriage and I'm just a homewrecker and I'll own it. Well, at least you've got that. All right. So this episode, we will have a poll on Twitter that you guys can vote on. Unlike last week. Um, so please do. And, you know... If you want, you can reply to the poll with your reasoning. I always love to hear what you think. If you're not already following us on Twitter, it's at Methods1 on Twitter. Uh, give us a follow. It is where we will post when new episodes go up. It's where we put the polls. Uh, it's where we yell at Mori for betraying us. And also where all of our friends yell at us and call us cowards. There's a lot of fun going on over there, so I would suggest checking it out. If you enjoy our show... I am going to ask that you leave a review. Um, you know, if you really love us and want to give us five stars, that's awesome. Also, if you wouldn't mind writing, like, an actual review on Apple Podcasts, that would be really appreciated. We don't have many on there, and it always gets me so excited to see what people think. Yep. So, I'd love it if you'd do that. We love honesty. We love hearing uh, the hot takes. Even if it's just the comment on our poll on Twitter. Yeah, literally, whatever. We just really like hearing from you guys, and it helps us stay motivated to keep posting. Um, I believe that is all we have for you. We this have week. to talk about our sources. Oh, sources! <laughs> I was I, gonna. I, I was like, always forget this shit every goddamn every time. time. Every time. Okay, my sources <laughs> this week are the Atlas Obscura, Wikipedia, the Cryptid Wiki. Uh, Courier Journal, which is a local journal that covered the death of that one couple I talked about, and also Ranker.com. I had five sources, y'all. I actually did research. I'm so proud of you. Look at us being, like, more, like... One of them was a journal. That's, like, official shit. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) All right. Oh, God. All right. I have so many sources. Okay. So I have The Peoples of Africa, an Ethno-Historical Dictionary by James Stuart Olson. I have... Uh, the Greenwood Dictionary of World History uh, by John J. Butt. Uh, I have African Folklore and Encyclopedia by uh, Philip, Philip M. Peak. I have the Muindo Epic by Daniel Bubek and Kahombo uh, C. Mateen. And, oh, all right. I have to just own that I use this source. It's an excerpt. I I recognize that this is the worst name possible for a book, but I didn't name it. So I have an Mm. excerpt of the translation of the Muindu epic from The Hero with an African Face by Clyde W. Ford. Yes, that is really what it's named. Yes, I hate that it's named that also. I mean, I'd argue that ultimately your source was the translation, not the book from which you pulled the translation. But... You know. Is that all? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's all my sources. Are you done? 
Okay, I never yeah. heard of you. <laughs> um, so, as always, uh, the theme music you heard at the beginning, and we'll hear again in a moment, was uh, composed and created by the hot gremlin bitch to whom I am wed, Eddie. What and a way. our editor- what a, way to des- what? what a way to describe your husband. <laughs> um, and the editing is done by Maury, who is also a gremlin who would betray me and stab me in the back if given the slightest opportunity. So, and so with that, um, we will see you next week. Bye!